Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. And Julian, I'm still trying to clean the egg off my face for suggesting that the North Division was not what it was made out to be. That was a pretty exciting week, and namely a pretty exciting night. Saturday night in, in the North Division was absolutely on fire. So I apologize to you, our listeners, and myself for such a terrible claim. It's okay, Justin. It's okay. It's all good. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone uh, gets caught with their egg uh, with egg on their face uh, every now and then. I've, Lord knows it's happened to me a fair share of times, so... Uh... It's okay. Okay. I'll, I, I think uh, that's all I needed to move forward. And uh, all the NHL needed to move forward on its Lake Tahoe game was darkness. Because Lake Tahoe, the experiment turned into Lake Tahoe pretty quickly when Sun wreaked havoc on the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday afternoon. Basically, they had to wait another nine hours to get going again as this, as you know, the sunlight went away, obviously, and darkness fell over the beautiful region in California. Uh, but the game got in, and Colorado beat the Vegas Golden Knights after quite a lengthy delay. Uh, it does, you know, beg the question of, you know, should we be doing these outdoor games? Is it worth it? Is the juice worth the squeeze doing all this stuff? Uh, should it just be confined to cold weather areas in the middle of, you know, football stadiums and baseball stadiums. But I actually like the swing or the hack that the NHL took uh, this weekend. Obviously, the weekend isn't over. Boston and Philadelphia will play in a game that actually had to be moved out of prime time for NBC, which is unfortunate. Uh, but to me, this isn't a huge, you know, disaster for the NHL. Yeah, maybe the corporate sponsors would disagree, but I liked what I saw. I was willing to wait for it. And once the sun did go down, the hockey really was fantastic between those two teams. It also helped that uh, the teams involved this weekend, uh, Colorado and, and Vegas, you're talking about two teams that could easily play against each other in a conference final. And, and Boston, the Philadelphia Flyers, in that division that they're in, you're going to get some smash mouth hockey. So at least the matchups on paper look really solid. I'm still kind of cracking up at the fact that it, it seems as if the NHL didn't realize that the sun could play a factor in the area that they were in. Uh, but I also like the idea, at least before the puck dropped, I mean, you see the backdrop, you see the stunning visuals outside. In theory, it was supposed to work. In theory, it could have looked really nice. It just... I mean, it's tough to say they ran to some bad luck, but maybe they could have prepared a little better. But it is just kind of a bit of a hard time for the National Hockey League. In theory, this could have been a really cool opportunity, even if there weren't really going to be 
many or any fans around for for many people to see it it would be would have been much more ideal in that particular scenario but i i think that the idea i won't knock the nhl for the idea it could have been really cool but definitely in terms of execution there's some kinks they needed to work out man i don't think it should dissuade the nhl at all i i mean yeah it wasn't the perfect day yeah they had to switch things around all weekend and and obviously the best laid plans uh quickly went up in smoke Maybe California isn't the right spot, and you know, yeah. even Northern California is is a little bit too warm still, even in the middle of winter. But I think they've sort of captured the framework that they should be working around moving forward, or at least in the short term, because what they did in this outdoor venue, you know, on the 18th green of of a golf course on one of the most famous lakes and areas in the world, or in North America. They captured the essence of what an outdoor game should look like. Yeah, the mountains were nice, but when the sun went down, it actually felt more authentic to me. And we talked about Lake Louise. I think that's where they wanted to go initially. And I still think that's an idea they should be exploring. I think they should actually double down on this. I like the idea of multiple teams descending on one location. That's what they've done here with Lake Tahoe. And have it, you know, not inside a football stadium or a baseball stadium. I understand that gate is very important, and that's probably what will keep it inside these, you know, these areas in which we're more accustomed to. But to me, it just got me dreaming of bigger and better things like eight teams at Lake Louise. You have the hotel right there, two pads on the ice, four games a day, maybe, you know, going off sort of at the same time. Like you could do this big tournament out there and it would be absolutely unbelievable. But then again, if all of a sudden the sun is a little bit more uh, impactful than you thought it would, the entire thing. Uh, is basically ruined but that I guess could happen at a winter classic in the middle of a football stadium I'm just thinking you know I don't think they're going to have 60,000 people in a football stadium at the winter classic next year perhaps it's possible but I still think we're going to be dealing with things and if you could find a way to make this work around Canadian teams maybe invite four American teams four Canadian teams and have this like big tournament at Lake Louise it would be something uh, you know it would be something that takes this entire idea and transcends it into something more. And I'm worried that this experiment is going to ruin that because of what happened. But I still think the opportunity is there for the NHL to put on something really, truly special. And I think we saw the makings of that at this Lake Tahoe game, even if it didn't work out. What if it like they decided, you know what, instead of having it, you know, in the middle of the day, midday, they said, you know what, let's have it 5.30, 6 o'clock, have it. You know, I mean, it's I mean, depending on what time of year the game happens, sunset won't happen just yet, or at least it'll you'll at least see the sun setting in the distance that could even make it look like an even more spectacular visual. Right. Mm -hmm. That's one thing they could easily look into as opposed to having it at like two o'clock in the afternoon or near high noon. I think that could still work into it. I like the idea of a tournament style uh you know you have like four teams there or or six teams or whatever i mean maybe i'm, I'm thinking more just kind of fantasy island in my head maybe i'm picking i'm picturing like a chell situation where you're maybe you're getting some teams out on three on three or whatever but mm -hmm. it could be a really fun thing I, I guess i don't know if the players would be up for it but it could be really cool uh, if, as like a mid-season thing or or maybe even a pre even if it was a preseason thing I would still be very up for it as a hockey fan. I don't know how they would go for it if it was like a playoff thing. Not that you suggested that, but just kind of letting my mind wander around here. But I like the idea that you presented of having multiple teams kind of take part in this and making it more of a regular thing. And just have just having the stakes there of just having them play for two points would just be really fun to see. It's just, I, I think this is a good idea. I'm not willing to hate on it too much. I, I We still kind of have to clown them for what happened over the weekend, though. That was just, nah. Well, if you want to get crazy... 
I mean, if you we talked about how how the NHL could maybe get like a midseason tournament or a Champions League or something else that could mm-hmm. sort of uh, enhance its product. This could be the entry point on a Champions League. You can you have four divisions. The top two from last year get entered into the Champions League, and the cha- then the eight teams go to Lake Louise instead of the All Star Game, or go instead of the Olympics, the week that you would normally have that every four years. You go to Lake Louise or Lake Tahoe, and you have a mini tournament outside and you could even do that in a four on four or a three on three uh, format. You could totally take the game and twist it as, as much as you want because it's something that lives outside actual NHL regular season play. And I think that was one of the issues in you know, what we saw this past weekend was, okay, you're going to play a period. You, you obviously can't go on. These guys falling everywhere. The game is not what it should be, but it's mm-hmm. still a regular season game. So you got to figure out whether that, you're going to be able to play one more period, whether you're not, you're going to have this game count, whether or not you're going to have to pick up from one period and start playing indoors again at a, at a neutral site. Like I have no idea what they were going to do. They managed to get the game in, and that's that's great, and that sort of alleviates a lot of the concern. But I think if you could separate the outdoor offering from the regular season and build it into something else, that is the way that you can make this bigger and better, and you can sort of take away the liability of having a regular season game be played under some sort of protest or protest situation. Uh, If nothing else, if nothing else, this would be a sick ass mode to play in NHL. If nothing (laughs) else, if nothing else, if, if, if people listening to this podcast are just like, you know what, man, these two guys, I don't know what they're suggesting. I don't like the idea of a champions league in the middle of the season. This isn't soccer. I think it would be a great idea personally, but you know, North Americans and how they feel about that. But if nothing else, if I'm a developer at EA sports, listen to this podcast, I'm going to my bosses with this idea. I still think it's a cool idea. I'm sure the next update will uh, will include that because of us. Uh, but you mentioned clowning on the NHL. Yeah, I guess they deserve some of it. But I think Greg Wyshynski put it best is that just he p- basically put a Venn diagram, which is one circle, which is the amount of people that complain that the NHL doesn't do enough and that are jumping all over them because one thing that they actually tried did fail. I mean, you're going to fail sometimes. It's not going to work perfectly sometimes. But I think you have to continue to try to evolve this because you see the, the, the benefit. I mean, when, I, when, the, when the game restarted, I saw a much better product. I yes. saw Nathan McKinnon score one of the goals of the night at full speed on ice that isn't, you know, perfect. It was, it was good by that time. But the game just enhanced so much when the ice improved. And that's a reminder. Like, it's, it's still very important to have these regular season games, which are very important, to be played under the right conditions. So if you could take it out, if you could do something special outdoors, something different... And that's what the NHL needs is just something different. An in-season tournament with great teams in one great location. I mean, come on. I, 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 it's, it's almost too easy, actually. Come on, man. Connor McDavid going up against an Austin Matthews. Nathan McKinnon going up against the Golden Knights in an actual tournament setting. The Tampa Bay Lightning in one matchup. I'm telling you, it's an opportunity to showcase some of the, te- some of the best teams in a tournament like this. Like, I... I'm I'm just surprised that, you know, we're not at that. Maybe not surprised, but I would love to see the NHL kind of get at that level. That would be such a cool thing for for everyone to watch. And I know a lot of people might have fatigue over the outdoor games, but 
to put stakes on something like this, every, I think a lot more people would get behind it. I think it would just be really, really cool to see. So yeah, I'm, I know I can be quick to, to, to clown the NHL on culture and so many other things. I'm still with you on the fact that they at least had a good idea in principle. And you were right, the game itself was still pretty nice to watch. I managed to ca catch a little bit of, uh, of it near the end when it started around midnight. And again, just the fact that they had the matchup that they had in, in Colorado and Vegas, and the game ended up ended being pretty good, uh, that did not hurt the the national hockey league at all if this was a situation where we're watching like buffalo versus carolina or something it'd be a much different story but uh having some of the best players in the world in that game at least helps their situation the only thing that wasn't beautiful about the setting were those vegas golden knight jerseys that's like you know Awful. when you get your you get your like university you know portrait at the end your graduation thing it hangs on the wall for 40 years and you had some ridiculous haircut and it's what what were you thinking at that moment you're 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 looking at you're looking across from maybe the best jerseys ever put together in those retro Quebec Nordiques, and you're wearing what amounts to a clown costume to me. It's just ridiculous. The Vegas Golden Knights are going to regret that when they look back at those beautiful mountainous pictures in 20 years because that was a big mistake. They look like jesters, dude. They look terrible. Uh, thank you for for bringing the opposites the, the spectrums here. The Nordique logo here. The Nordique jerseys amazing top tier that's probably like a top two uh retro jersey for this year and it might not be two and then you have the golden edge jersey which i think there are still some pretty worse ones out there but that's on the other side of, yeah. of the spectrum here it's not good it's gonna hang on the wall forever uh you mentioned that austin matthews and Connor mcdavid could be at a champions league one day that would be amazing really, if we're really you know wishing and hoping here uh but if it was gonna happen next year Probably a pretty good bet that Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid would be there uh, because we saw a frankly stunning night from those two individuals uh, who are just lifting their teams to, I don't, don't want to say incredible heights, maybe maybe so with the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Edmonton Oilers are suddenly in second place in the North Division and playing very, very well as well because of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But what we saw was two players who are head and shoulders right now, I think, above the rest. And they're turning this season into a two-horse race for the Hart Trophy. Uh, I don't think we should forget about Nathan McKinnon just yet. What he did yesterday was very special as well. But what Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid are doing this season is legendary. And if they can keep this up, we're talking about two players in the same division who are probably the biggest two stars in Canada in terms of athletes, at least hockey playing athletes right now uh, and they're going head to head and it is going to turn out to be spectacular if they can keep this up we're looking at two players in a neck and neck race out front for the Hart Trophy and they both belong to both Canada's teams and the North Division uh, do you subscribe to that theory that this is right now looking like a two horse race and if you had to handicap it who's got the upper edge right now um I definitely subscribe to the theory that it's down to those two guys, even though you could make arguments for each of their, not so much sidekicks, I'd guess their 1Bs in, in Leon Dreisaitl and Mitch Marner, respectively, because they've also been putting up some points and they've also been having some solid seasons so far. But it's so much more damn fun to compare Austin Matthews and, and Connor McDavid. We've been looking at these two, obviously, since they came into the league, they had their little seance together over the summer and people start thinking, what if they somehow found a way to team up? And now we're in a situation, they're in the same division and they're going head to head in terms of goals and points. You have Connor McDavid scoring a hat trick in one game and Austin Matthews scoring two goals and getting two assists in another game. And as 
as much as Connor McDavid is say, was trying to downplay the idea that he looked, you know, he wasn't really necessarily trying to look at Austin Matthews's point tallies and all that. He was not trying to pay attention to what he's been doing up to this point. I want to live in a world where he cares about that because if you kind of have that natural rivalry between those two, it's just going to make it even more fun. It's going to make it even more of a spectacle. I already know who I'm picking in this race. I think Austin Matthews is a talented player, and I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing right by him for making him do as much as he can on the ice, try to help defend him on PK and make him put him in a position where he could be pretty much in for every major award at the end of this season. But we've said it on this show before, and you wrote about Connor McDavid earlier in the week. I retweeted that piece. Let's not get bored of this, brother. That goal he scored uh, against the Calgary Flames over the weekend, entering the zone, looking as if he was going to pass and ultimately firing it past Jacob Markstrom, mm-hmm. that is just a stroke of beauty. That was an incredible thing to watch, and we cannot get bored of these amazing plays that he does. And here's the thing I'll say about Matthews. Austin Matthews plays on a really good Toronto Maple Leafs team, and I know he's a huge reason why that is. I'm not sure where the Edmonton Oilers would be without Connor McDavid. I think Toronto – I mean – I don't know if it's outlandish to say Austin Matthews taken. I, you know what? I'll, I'll kind of rewind that back a bit. If Austin Matthews was taken off the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're a completely different team. Oh, but yeah. Connor McDavid, I think, has to do a little bit more, in my view, to help the Edmonton Oilers be a playoff team as opposed to what Austin Matthews would have to do to make the Toronto Maple Leafs a playoff team or at least win the division. I think everyone expected the Toronto Maple Leafs to at least win the division or at least make the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers, I think it was just a bit of a, it was a bit of a tough one. And Connor McDavid is, Connor McDavid might literally put the team on his back and bring the Oilers to the playoffs. There's a good, there's a chance that might happen. And if he does, he should win the Hart Trophy easily. What we need is these two to continue to work out with each other in the off season, because if they can just pick up little things from each other, they're both going to just elevate their games to you know the next level, even beyond what we've seen this year. And I think that may have a lot to do with it. I mean, Austin Matthews looks like, I don't want to say a completely different player, but this is a whole nother level for him. And I think what we've seen from McDavid is what we see from McDavid. This is sort of what we've come to expect. He's just a guy that continues to get better and better and better, and he's at the top of the game. But Austin Matthews this year is a different guy. It's just a different look from him. And right now, he's taking the path toward one of the greatest goal-scoring seasons of all time. A cold streak would ruin that for him, obviously. But right now, he's on pace for 55 goals in a 56-game season. And it's only not 56 because he missed a game already. That's the number that Alexander Ovechkin has only hit twice and hasn't hit in the last decade. We're talking about a guy, the greatest goal-scorer ever. And this is not something that he's done in a very long time. Um... But with McDavid, I mean, he's on pace to clear 100 points in a 56-game season. And it wasn't long ago when Jamie Benn was winning the Art Ross Trophy with 87 points in an 82-game season. So these guys right now are doing stuff that we haven't seen in a very long time. And I think a lot of that has to do with the division. A lot of that has to do with the scenario in which they find themselves. But I think a lot of it might have to do with each other as well and looking across the country and thinking, wow, like I've got, I've got, you know some inspiration here. I've got something to chase. I've got something to go on. And you mentioned it right off the top with Connor McDavid potentially looking at Matthews and thinking, Oh, I got to step my game up because of what he's doing over there. Um, But yeah, it goes back to the, the, the training together. I think, I think that's a big thing. I think if they can continue to do that, we're going to see these two players continue to separate themselves among the very best in the NHL. And right now we're looking at two historically brilliant seasons 
And we always say if McDavid can just get to the playoffs, he's going to win the Hart Trophy. I mean, that didn't happen last year with his teammate winning the Hart Trophy, Leon Dreisaitl, and then making the playoffs, or I guess making the play-in. Um, but right now, I think it's if Matthews can hit 50 goals, he wins. If McDavid can clear 100 points, he wins. And if they both do it, I mean, that's just the best flip, uh, coin flip ever. But but just just the fact that we're we're speculating over those two things, whether one guy can make this one tally or another guy can make this other tally, that's just fun. And and to tie it back to our conversation from last week, now we're going to be in a situation, even if the games themselves and the North Division just kind of end up sucking, we can at least hold on to the fact that two of the best players in the NHL are going for scoring titles uh, pretty much throughout the year. So we're going to be looking at, and plus they're going to be matching up against each other fairly soon, I believe. Uh, I mean, and, and they probably have some more meet up, meetups throughout the season, but man, I think those two players right now, uh, it, you can't think of a better show. You can't think of a better storyline in the National Hockey League right now than McDavid versus Matthews and and the idea that you know those two maybe looking at each other a little bit more closely than they want to lead us on to I really want to subscribe to that theory I really think for obviously both those players have their own aspirations with their teams in Edmonton in particular they've they've gone through the ups and downs and they want to be considered a serious team they definitely have to take that seriously but the idea that you, you kind of look at another guy who is pretty much on your level and you know you want to train to be better, if not you try to be as good, if not better than that guy. I, I, I imagine a lot of athletes go through that with some other competitors that they know that are on their level. You definitely need people, even if they're not necessarily on your team to push you. I, I and fine, maybe I, I'm pushing this idea a little bit, but I, I really, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case, especially considering the fact that they have that relationship with each other where they know each other, right? Like, I'm sure they check in on each other, right? Or I'm sure, well, maybe they don't, but maybe they do. Like, it's, I love this idea of a McDavid versus Matthews matchup between those two. I, I just love, and the fact that in the same division just makes it perfect. It's, I think we should be shipping this storyline so hard. I mean, I, and I think we're trending towards a Mark McGuire versus Sammy Sosa type situ situation without the steroids and without the cork bats. Like, what did that do for baseball? That, that single, you know, giant versus giant, it's all about individual stats. I don't know who won the division back then between St. Louis and Chicago, but I do know who ended up with more home runs, and I do know what happened to baseball after that great home run race. That's the type of thing we could see right now between Matthews and McDavid. They can not just, it's all about them individually in terms of stats, but they can raise the profile of the entire league if they continue to go head-to-head. -head. It is kind of too bad that it isn't just goals versus goals. I mean, McDavid scored a hat trick, so maybe it turns out to be goals versus goals. But it's it seems like it's about Matthews reaching incredible goal-scoring heights and McDavid. And I shouldn't discount Matthews either. He's He's got 12 yeah. points in his last four games. So he's doing what we, you know, if he's going to win a Hart Trophy, he's got to have some assists too. Well, he's getting those assists now too. Uh, so, you know, this, is, this just bodes well for everything. It's great for these two markets. It's great for the North Division. It's great for the NHL. And NBC should be finding a way to to highlight this a little bit more than they can i know that there's restrictions on border and them getting up here and doing games is difficult um but this is this could be the best storyline in hockey that we've seen in a very long time and we know what this has done for sport historically and that's right here the opportunity for the nhl with these two giants going head to head Man, it's just so fun to see those. Also, specifically with NBC, I mean, I'm not sure how it would work to 
get them to get camera crews or whatever. But, you know, I can think of at least two play-by-play commentators who would be, you know, who are pretty familiar to NBC who would probably have no problem getting to Toronto or Edmonton to call these games. I don't think it's going to be necessarily that hard for NBC to kind of just sit down and be like, hey, how can we get more of these McDavid Matthews games on TV? Even if they happen to be in the North Division and our audience in America, you know, they don't have any teams involved in this. We're talking about two of the best players in the NHL right now and a matchup that could very well be the storyline we follow up until the end of the season. Like this is this is can't miss stuff as far as I'm concerned. Instead, we have Devils Capitals this afternoon on NBC. I know that's because the Lake Tahoe game was uh, delayed, but you got to find a way to get these guys. I mean, we got an Olympics coming, and these the storyline's going to carry to then as, as well. I mean, these are going to be the two stars of the Olympic Games if the NHL does indeed get there. It's all about Matthews and McDavid right now. And it was all about Sidney Crosby over the last decade or so. And he had a 1,000 games for his career last night. I think pretty fittingly against the New York Islanders. I mean, we saw the video of all the Crosbys coming out because they all wore Sidney Crosby's sweater, which is literally the nightmare of Islanders fans, given the damage that Sidney <laughs> Crosby has done to that franchise over the years. Uh, but, you know, this was a celebration of Sid, and he deserves the celebration of Sid because he's had an exemplary career, an amazing career, one of the top careers and best careers ever, and a guy that has fulfilled every expectation that was given to him. Um, so when you reflect on Sidney Crosby, what is the legacy and, and where does he rank all time for you? I, For me, growing up and, and watching Sidney Crosby at play, I know for myself, at the, especially the early part of his career, it was fun to do the the side-by-side -side with him and Alexander Ovechkin because they were coming into the league at the same time. And I was initially drawn to Ovechkin's flair and his goal-scoring ability. But that didn't mean I didn't like – it doesn't mean I didn't like Sidney Crosby. It doesn't mean I, I was trying to demean his what he means to his team or or his style of play. He's he's a complete hockey player who could do anything you could ask him to, and he has as many – he could contribute as much to the highlight reel as any other player in the history of this league. If we, if we were bored, we could easily compile like a top five of like Sidney Crosby goals scored from like the seat of his pants. Like that's how <laughs> incredible of a player he was. I, some of my favorite highlights from Sidney Crosby aren't even goals. They're, they're assists. Like there's, there's the one assist on the Chris Letang goal in the playoffs between the senators and, and the penguins where he mm -hmm. made Jason Spezza chase after him behind the net. There's another regular season game where Crosby is like skating through the neutral zone. He takes a puck off his skate kicks it to a stick and then makes a pass to a teammate and scoring without even breaking stride. Sidney Crosby has done so many incredible things uh, throughout the course of his career. And easily over the last 15 years, you can say he's the best player in the NHL. So for me to, and I didn't even mention his, his exploits at the Olympics. We're, we're coming up on the, on what the 11th anniversary of the golden goal. I mean, look, we're, yeah. we were not alive in 1972 for, for Paul Henderson. I think for our generation here, that golden goal stands for, at least for a lot of Canadians. I understand there may be Americans watching and they probably don't want to relive that heartbreak for, for a lot of Canadians yeah. uh, who watched the 2010 Olympics. They look back at that goal goal as a shining moment uh, of Sidney Crosby's career and a shining moment for their fandom for Team Canada. Like yep. Sidney Crosby's legacy is already assured. He's a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. And where he ranks in terms of all the different things he's been able to do and considering all of the the, the way the level is raised for all of his opposition and, and opposing goaltenders, I can't see him not being a, a top five player. He's, he's yep. easily top 10, but I think he's a top five player 
when it's all said and done. This is a guy who's also put up all the points he was able to put, uh, even though he missed like a little over 100 games because of concussions. This was an incredible player to watch. And just like I say with McDavid, we shouldn't be bored of him. Don't get bored of Sidney Crosby either. This guy is a talent. No, he's still he's still Sidney Crosby, still doing Sidney Crosby things. It's not quite what the uh, the young guys are doing now. He can't quite measure up in in you know statistical uh, from a t- statistical standpoint anymore. But he's still Sidney Crosby, and he's still a joy to watch every time. For me, the legacy is that he's the player that lived up to the expectations that you wouldn't really wish on anyone. If you just laid out to Sidney Crosby for, before his career, what would fall on his shoulders before he actually? was able to you know, make his NHL debut, you would have sent a lesser man running for the hills. I mean, he had to save a franchise with his performance. He came in, and that was a... The Pittsburgh Penguins were, you know, all these financial issues, uh, needed a new arena, like just in dire straits. And he came in, and he stabilized the whole thing, won them a cup within his first four years, I believe, got to three, two Stanley Cup finals really early. And then one, two more later is later in his career. And now the Pittsburgh Penguins are the model franchise. They're the franchise that NBC wants to put on its air all the time. That all these other franchises are looking at and trying to build themselves and model themselves around. He stabilized the Pittsburgh Penguins, who might have been gone if the lottery balls didn't turn up in their favor. He also overcame, as you mentioned, career-threatening health issues. He missed over 100 games over that career. That was early in his career. That was before... That was just as he was hitting his prime, and he was dealing some, with something that most, you know, most players never experience, and something that was completely uh, confounding to doctors, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with this guy, and they finally figured it out, and he overcame all that. Then he had to reinvent himself as a player later on in his career and become more of a dominant two-way force, and a guy that actually, the Pittsburgh Penguins had their best success when he turned into a different player and a more well-rounded two-way player and of course what happened with Canada I mean he wore the responsibility for Canada in reclaiming international supremacy all of this stuff fell on his shoulders and he managed it all and that is only part of the reason why he's a top five player ever for me I don't know exactly what Wayne Gretzky did I didn't experience it I don't know exactly what Mario Lemieux did I didn't experience it don't know what Bobby Orr did and I don't know what Gordie Howe did because I didn't experience it directly but I put Sidney Crosby within the group that I just mentioned as the top five players ever because of what he did in a different era, what he did in terms of the expectations that were that were set on him, and then what he managed in a more competitive league, three Stanley Cups, all those individual rewards. Sidney Crosby's done it all, and I think that's why he's one of the greatest hockey players ever. Some people are going to listen to us go back and forth on this and 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 think, hey, it's not fair to compare players from different eras. It's so hard to do. You know, those players didn't. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Play in those different eras, so how could you do this? It's fun to do it this way, first of all. You don't like fun if you don't like this way. Two, Sidney Crosby, if you put him in any era, goodness gracious, he would be super dominant. That's why I feel in my heart of hearts, he definitely is a top five player. I don't think we need to worry about him being top 15 or top 10. He is without a doubt a top five player. I don't know if he's above Mario or, or, or Wayne, but I don't have a problem putting him over Bobby Orr. I don't know if, if I think maybe third or fourth, I don't have a problem with putting Sidney Crosby over there. I think he's, I, don't either. I think he's that talented of a player. I think he's that amazing of a player. And just the other week we were talking about how, you know, if he gets traded or a guy who ends up going up in age, you'd still want a guy like Sidney Crosby on your team. That guy, like I mentioned before, like in the last 15 years, the best player this league has ever seen. And even if Connor McDavid, even there's a chance he could always match and surpass him. But at least for right now, Sidney Crosby just, I'm just shaking my head here. He's just, is incredible. And don't forget about the fact that he was incredible and talented. Don't forget about the fact that he, lit the league on fire as long as he did and he still has so much more left in him a thousand games in and he still could provide us with so many more joys going forward in terms of historical debates i'm always going to lean towards the guys that are doing it in my era just because that's what i know but also i know and everyone knows if you're being real with yourself the game has evolved to the point where it's more difficult to have success now like it's just Mm. it just is Sidney Crosby, if you put him down in the middle of the 1970s, he would score every shift he had, I believe. So uh, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you're, you're disrespecting the older guard and, and there's people that are younger who are dis, disrespecting or there's people that are older disrespecting the new guard and don't want their, their childhood heroes to be supplanted by this new wave of players. Um, but when we come down to it, facts are facts, and it is it is far easier. It was far easier back then to score goals, and I think the guys that are playing the game now, the Sidney Crosbys, the Connor McDavid's, the Austin Matthews, like this is a, just a different game right now. And to exclude Crosby based on anything, I think, is erroneous because he's just been that important to the game and that good as an individual player. The last subject for us is a weird one, I think. Mike Babcock. Uh, not going back to the NHL, not staying uh, in the NBC studio, the comfy confines of uh, Studio TV. He's going to the University of Saskatchewan to take the head coaching position on a volunteer basis, and that is important, and we'll get to that a bit later. But are you surprised that the the, the giant, the coaching giant that is Mike Babcock is... I don't want to say being humbled to the point where he's taking a university job because we know why he's taking the university job. But is it surprising nonetheless that a guy with such a huge pedigree, Olympics, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup finals, is going to be returning to you sports? I look at it from this kind of standpoint here. I feel as if for a guy like Mike Babcock, who has the pedigree that he has, You know, a lot of people like to kind of dog him because of the fact he only won one Stanley Cup, but he still coached as well as he did in the Olympics with all those players. He's still a player with the pedigree and the ego that he has. I think Mike Babcock kind of falls into that category 
of talent that if they find themselves being led astray from their major league, there will always be someone who will find, who will be like, hey, I want some of that talent and I want to take advantage of it in some way and give them a second chance. The one thing that doesn't sit well with me is, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know. I mean, we all know about the uh, the claims around, or claims, or at least the stories that went around Mike Babcock with the treatment of his players. And we've heard so many other stories from other former, other of his former players that have come out since his firing. I don't know, as a hockey fan and as a hockey media person, as just someone with an outside perspective here, what has Mike Babcock done to atone for those miscues and atone for those? lives who he affected in negative ways to warrant this second chance that's what doesn't sit well with me uh i i it's i can see why it looks like a humbling to a certain extent because he's coaching a u sports team but this isn't a, a university he's unfamiliar with this is a obvious obviously a province definitely he's not familiar with he's he's basically coaching uh you know in his own province uh, i i i also just think that there are enough people around him who probably would want to see him get that second chance and this would be an opportunity for him to to do that i just kind of see the the pathway to rehabilitation just being set up and while this very much could look like a humbling and yes he's doing this on a volunteer basis but as he's still isn't he still getting money with the leafs right am i wrong i'm not wrong well, that, that's the big thing that's I it mean, i know to I, me yeah yeah go ahead no, I was just going to say, and I'll let you go in on that, but there's so many things about this that just makes me think, okay, this isn't necessarily like, oh, wow, this is the coach being humbled and has to take the long way back. I mean, remember, I mean, between the TV job and and, and this now, like, just the, just the blocks are there for him to, to come back to the NHL. I think even on Sportsnet yesterday, Chris Johnson even mentioned he wouldn't be surprised if he saw that. I think... I think the idea of Mike Babcock returning to the NHL, while some people would just be kind of taken aback, I think there are other people who are just kind of already expecting it will happen. And I'm not sure if Mike Babcock has done anything to kind of warrant that second chance to come back. No, I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think we've seen that just yet. I mean, we talk about the rehabilitation tour right now. All we've seen is his side of the story in an athletic article and him trying to spin the same narrative on the one NBC appearance that I've seen. I don't know if he's been back on NBC since that first one. If he did, it didn't create even close to the same buzz. But when I, you know, you when you unpack this news, to me, it's just, it really is all just about money, isn't it? Like everything is just about money. And as much as legacy and image and the love for something, just loving to do your job are things that we talk about and intangibles that are involved in this, in this sort of industry, it seems the most important thing to Mike Babcock is just recouping the final 24 months pay uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs, the near $6 million a year that he's going to be owed and will not get if he's getting paid to coach somewhere. And that might even include the university ranks. And that might be why he's doing this on a volunteer basis. He wants to coach, sure. And he says he's doing it on a volunteer basis. But really, you're getting paid $6 million to coach a hockey team because a different hockey team is paying you that money. If he really wanted to get back into the game, I think he probably could, or he could leave himself open for that opportunity but unlike, you know, most people or like most people, rather, he's got to do what's best financially. And even when you've made, you know, $40 million in the last six years or whatever it is, it's still all about the money. And it's kind of, it's a little bit, frankly, it's a little surprising or, or maybe I'm a little naive to think that it's surprising, but think a guy that's made all this money 
and has taken this hit to his reputation, his image, a hall of future hall of famer and the golden coach and, and all this stuff that attached to him has sort of went by the wayside and is up in smoke. And the only way for him to do it or to improve it is to get back into the NHL and coach the right way and coach a successful team. And yeah, I guess coaching the university of Saskatchewan Huskies to a U sports championship, if that's indeed what he manages to do would be a nice story and a good thing for him. And I'm sure uh, there would be some pride there, but to rehabilitate him, his image, it's not doing something on a volunteer basis so you can make $12 million that's still owed to you by the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's getting back at the height of the profession and showing it that you can do it not only the right way, but the winning way. Uh, and and we're probably going to have to wait two years to see that again because Mike Babcock just seems intent on recouping the money that's owed to him. And and while that you can't fault someone for that, it it's... It's just a reminder that this is more of a business than uh, Mike Babcock trying to build a resume, I guess. Has he mended any fences with some of the former players who, you know, he he wronged? You, I, I don't wonder think how, so. I wonder how Johan Franzen feels about this right now. You know, maybe like I like I, I and I get it. Some people are just going to look at it as just a, a little middle of the road job, but it's still a job. You know, the the hockey world still found an opening for Mike Babcock. To, to, to take advantage and this isn't Mike Babcock coaching in the middle of Russia or in the middle of Kazakhstan or, or some off country you know where we never see him he's in Saskatchewan he's in Canada he's home you know what I'm saying like he's yeah. <laughs> there are worse places for Mike Babcock to begin a rehab tour uh I I just for me I don't look at this as a heartwarming story unless he finds a way to look beyond his ego, realize that he had done wrong in the way that he handled certain players. I wonder if he had even talked to Mitch Marner after that supposed, after that story that went around of, of the lists with March with Mitch Marner, I should say. Um, I, for me, like with, if you're trying to get atonement, you don't have to do anything performative. You have to do the work on your own part, whether in the darkness or whether you actually have to go out and at least do it, whatever you have to put, go in and do the work. You have to go in and make your apologies. You have to, you know, admit you're sorry about how you handle different things in with this U sports team. I'd like to hear what the students would think about this. I wonder what the student body feels about this and, and, and how those hockey players feel about the idea that fine, they get a, a really good coach, but it doesn't seem as if he has the greatest track record with handling some of his players. I wonder how some of those guys would feel. Does, does Mike Babcock know how to handle some of those university students? Do they have concerns? Has he changed? Like I, I, I need to see some work here. It, it's a less important job clearly because the U sports just doesn't measure up to an NHL job, but it's almost a more important job because these are players who are not going to go to the NHL. They're not going to make a lot of money. They're going to have to be, they're going to have to, um, you know, make this transition from university athlete to just common citizen. And that requires, I'm not, not to say that these players need these teachings and discipline and all that stuff, but you're, you're just, you're now, you're not coaching superstar athletes. You're just coaching people. You're coaching men who are going to be entering society and just trying to be good people and, and successful people. So you talk about Franzen and the mistreatment. I mean, is is that going to be a good look in the University of Saskatchewan? I'm sure it's not going to be that way, but it's it's you're, you're like half professor 
in this role. Like this, this is a this is a teaching environment, not a professional environment. So is Mike Babcock going to be able to make the transition from a professional environment to a teaching environment? I mean, he's already been there, so perhaps this is just in his wheelhouse. Um, but you also think you also have to wonder like what's going to be the reaction to this hall of famer, this larger than life personality suddenly coaching just the common person that's playing for the university of Saskatchewan. Like that's a weird dynamic in itself as well. Like he's almost too big for this position and I'm sure everything will settle in and it might be weird for a little bit and, and everything will be fine. And I think Babcock will take this as seriously as you might take a volunteer position, which is, this isn't do or die. This isn't life or death right now. And and I can take this a little bit more easy because, you know, I don't have the weight of the world on my shoulders and the media scrutiny, but it just seems like this is, he's almost too big for the position. And it's almost like the position needs someone who isn't Mike Babcock, if that makes any sense. I mean, I mean, too big for him, I guess, but just... At the, I'm not even so much concerned about how big that position is for him, really. I just want to know if he, you know, with how he handles these players, whether even if it's a U sports school, it, and we know it's not this, not even at the level of the NCAA, if those players, I guess, are handled in a much different way than how he was as an NHL coach, if he's shown growth on that point, maybe we look at him in a much different light. But I don't know. Just just for me, well, as, as some, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Maybe maybe off. maybe the best the best best thing for him is rediscovering how to treat people, and maybe he yeah. did treat people the right way in his time at McGill, in his time at the University of Lethbridge, in his time in the minor leagues. Maybe it got away from him as it became more serious in the NHL, and maybe this is the perfect reminder that he needs to be acting in a you know the conduct has to be a certain way. Maybe it is the best thing for him. I think it's like grasping at straws to try to connect all these things. I think this That's is fair. just a simple way to stay active and to continue earning money and to try and continue on that rehabilitation tour but you know it just it's it's a little it just doesn't seem right there's a little disconnect it just seems a little fishy I can't quite put my finger on exactly why but it just doesn't seem right it's it just it doesn't I don't know man like I I don't like it I don't like it I'm just That's gonna fair. be upfront I don't That's like fair. it I don't like it. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I, I, it's that's all you can really say. We'll see what happens uh, at the University of Saskatchewan. I'm sure we're not going to see any games. We're not going to see much, but uh, we probably will get a few puff pieces along the way, and we'll uh, we'll dive into those with a critical eye, and then we'll dive into the NHL with a critical eye again next week. Julian, enjoy the, what's left of your weekend. Stay up late and try and watch that Lake Tahoe game because, uh, you know, you know it, it can't be played under sunlight. So you're going to have to wait till darkness falls in California, which is, I know, a little ways from now.